Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess like, let's talk about the flywheel. We already started. So I think um, we just talked about- Wait, hang on, Flo. Hang on, hang on. I got told recently from someone that uh, a listener that requested that we give a short introduction before we start. So they know who are these cool people that they're listening to. (laughs) So every single time, I don't know. Let's just say this is Florian as usual. And this is Jason as (laughs) usual. And we're from Tokenomics DAO. And yeah, we just wanted to talk today about turning the flywheel and how that would yeah, how that equates to how we put our energy into building the tokenomics DAO, right? Yeah, yeah. So we just, yeah, we just started talking about, um, I think Jim Collins, um, mm-hmm. he wrote this book, Good to Great. I read it a long time ago, so I don't really remember everything. But the way he describes this flywheel, as I recall roughly, is that... Um, you know, he, he says like the, the, his like a company is this could could be this like this flywheel and it's spinning it's spinning super fast and it's unstoppable, and um, and then I think in the in the book that he wrote he he kind of asked this question like what was the event that started the flywheel got it spinning, and he the answer is basically that there's not that there's no one event that got it spinning it was basically the combination of many many events pushing in the right direction right. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is also, or, or that, that was like the idea that we had um, where it just like, as, as usually, you know, how we pick our podcast topics, sometimes it's an interview, sometimes it's something that we're currently trying to figure out within the DAO, or sometimes it's just like something that uh, we, on one of our daily meetings, we just find out, hey, that this would be super interesting to just um, brainstorm on or think through. And so we came upon this like flywheel. Um, yeah. and I guess like the flywheel that we were specifically thinking about is this idea that, um, currently the way tokenomics DAO is, is kind of structures or how we envision it to be is we have the community and the community, um, is like this large pool of talent in the community, um, from here, they can, they can produce content and the, the production of content is then sort of an, a proof of work. So it's this, we, we, we create this content and then everybody out there can read it and see the, the content. And then clients or, or someone might read it and think like, oh, these guys, they've written a lot of content. So they seem to know a, a thing or two about tokenomics. So I'll reach out to them and see if they can consult us. They can help us mm-hmm. with our tokenomics problem. And um, then someone, yeah, we might, we might come to an agreement with them, work on a project, both parties will learn a lot, like even we do, uh, usually learn a lot from consulting engagements. And then that person after the consulting engagement would come back to the, to the community and have a lot more knowledge to share and write another piece of content, right? And that content will then attract more. So to me, when I, or when we thought, about, thought this through, we thought like, this is kind of a flywheel, right? Mm-hmm. That we have. It, we, is, it is a virtuous cycle, right? It, it feeds into each other. And at the yeah. same time, so with, with Jim Collins and what he talks about uh, with the little bit that we've looked at, it, he, he says that it's, you know, in a consistent direction, right? 
So in this case, we do have a direction and that is to build value in this sphere, right? And uh, to, to, and that's why things like the manifesto is so important because it just keeps, what in whatever activity we do, it should be consistent in the sense that it adheres to that manifesto, right? And um, creating content allows for in this case, allows for different activities, different types of activities to come into the come into play that are still pushing towards this direction, right? Like if we do a piece of consulting work or if we write a piece of content, um, while they feed into each other, the important aspect is still that they're moving in a certain direction, right? that we as a DAO are moving into a certain direction, right? Getting better in a certain way, becoming more valuable towards certain things, right? Um, yeah, like building, building our brand because they would all sort of contribute to building a brand because mm -hmm. on the one side you would, a piece of content would, would contribute to building a brand, attracting followers potentially. And then a consulting project would also do the same, would, would do the same, right? And they would all um, then like attract more people to join the community because they would think, Hey, this is a probably a cool place to discuss, uh, topics yeah. or thoughts that I have in this area. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, so that's, I mean, like that's, that's kind of a given and, but, and, and then like one of the problems that we talked about was, or is still, we haven't figured that out completely is like consulting, if we do a consulting project, like we don't only want to focus on consulting. That's definitely something that has been clear from the, from the beginning, right? We don't want to be this like consulting only thing, but definitely one thing it does is it, it produces revenue, right? It, it like, if, if clients pay for it and we have expertise, we can sell that expertise to them and they can, um, yeah they'll have some, some value that we've given them and we have some, some money or the consultants get some money. So what it, what it does, it attracts talent to join the DAO because they might want to do consulting projects, share their knowledge and, and earn money in, in Web3 in, in, uh -huh. this, in this space um, from, from clients. So then uh -huh. to me, what, what happens, like if you think of this, of this like flywheel, what happens is you attract people to to come to consulting and do consulting projects. So you have like this high or strong focus onto consulting, but that deters or shifts away, in my opinion, a bit from content. So mm -hmm. I was sort of worried that um, what that does would like stop people to uh, to create content because mm. yeah. They only want to come in and, and, and do and do consulting because if you write a great article and we publish that on our Substack, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand people would read it, but wouldn't pay you mm. at all, right? Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of the idea is like, how do we how do we solve for that problem? How do we solve because what what we see as if we see the, the flywheel in its entirety, that content is very important and we need to keep producing content um, yeah. to attract more clients and to build this brand, create this gravity and create like this external proof of work, um, i.e. reputation 
And um, so, yeah, it's an important thing to do. Yeah. So what can we, what can, what can we do? Yeah, let's try and um, maybe define it a little bit and simplify it a little bit so that we can grasp the, the principles behind these things, right? So let's say writing content by itself, if I was to be very blunt, it's almost like it's just a cost center, right? It's a, if it, the, there's no direct path between writing content and the, the, the content writer understanding how he's going to monetize that content. You need people to come, you need people to read it, you need people to pay. Maybe you need to write 10 articles before people, it builds critical mass. Maybe you need to build 100, maybe it will never happen, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, the, the whole endeavor is a very, um, ah, what's the right word? It's, it's, it's not defined, the, the steps between the cause and effect, they're not as well defined as say, if you were to do a piece of consulting work where somebody said, hey, I need you to create this. And after you create this, you will get paid this much, right? Um, and while you were describing the problem, uh, something came to mind. It might be something similar to, say, a lecturer or a architect, you know, writing a book or giving lectures or discussing, you know, uh, architecture or home building versus a home builder, right? For a home builder, what does he do? He, he builds a home and then, and then he gets paid. So he's incentivized to build as many homes as possible, as cheaply as possible, to, for as many people as possible to get paid more. But it might not actually revolutionize the, the, the uh, science or the practice of home building. It, it will make, he'll become more effective and more efficient, but he might not come up with a, a new way or a, a novel way to, to build something like in a massive transformational sort of step, phase shift, right? Whereas if you had a forum of people discussing ideas on home building, talking about, hey, you know, we know that in this part of the world, the sun always shines in this direction. So if one natural light, why don't we put windows here and, you know, shading there and blah, blah, blah. That's like, that's taking a transformational, transitional step forward in that sphere, right? And that, that, that breakthrough would then generate a lot of interest and maybe people come in and go, hey, this way of living in such a home is so much nicer. Let's build new homes this way instead, right? So I think that it's a, it's a roundabout way, I guess, of what we were saying about content versus consulting, right? One is doing something we already know and another and, and for consulting and for creating content, you're kind of pushing the boundaries both in your own mind and your own understanding and also putting ideas out there that can then be uh, cross-pollinated, let's say, with other, with other people that have their own ideas that will comment and will probably write uh, another piece of content that is a that is based on Inspired, your content, yeah. Yeah. right? So it's, a, it's almost like a derivative of a derivative of a derivative, right? Um, so yeah, so, so me and uh, Florian and I and, and Lovis and a few other guys were discussing like, so how do we, how do we keep um, encouraging or incentivizing people that have created content to keep creating content and maybe even those that are consulting to maybe share, you know, what they've learned with a greater community. 
Um, and we hope that we can incentivize that because it will be very powerful if the home builders can come and take part in the architectural courses, right? So that they can say their perspective and share what they've learned from building a hundred different homes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in a way, I mean, like a simple way that that like obviously comes to mind immediately is like if you take a cut, because you take you take a cut off the revenue generated from consulting and distribute that over to, um, over to the content side, the content division, right? So you pay the content division, um, with the money coming from, uh, the consulting division, right? Because mm-hmm. in a way it's sales, right? You are, what the content division does for consulting is like they're selling services through reputation. Oh, definitely marketing, marketing. Or I would say. Maybe not they're selling. Yeah. But they're, they're marketing. Yeah. Them. yeah. You're right. Yeah. Marketing, branding. Yeah, right? yeah. They might not be closing the sale. They might be, I don't know, but um, it definitely helps build the brand. They will getting, they will get them like quite close. Right. Because yeah. if, if you get someone to the point where they've read 10 pieces and that has, you know, they, they like them all and that, that maybe has convinced them that the, 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 you know, that we have knowledge in this area, they'll be quite close to, you know, or be quite confident to do something with us. Mm, correct. Right, yeah. Definitely brings them along the, the line of getting qualified as a lead, right? At first it's marketing in a sense, it's lead generation. Yeah, and as they as they read and it you know it, it resonates with them, they become more and more qualified. And if they then approach us, it's like the perfect way to create sales, right? Where both entities um, come away from an interaction, getting benefit. You know, yeah. no no forced cold calling or no strong arm, you know, secondhand car salesman tactics needed. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's much better. It's a much better system. Cause like, let's say like you would, you would, so let's say, let's, let's do this example, right? Let's say in the community, we, to, to get consulting deals or get mm-hmm. consulting business, we would recruit a couple of salespeople that would go out and actively try to sell our consulting services to potential clients. And they mm-hmm. would get 10% off the lead um, or the, the deal size, right. For bringing in the mm-hmm. lead and, um, that that's something that you know probably would work could could bring in a few consultants, but it doesn't scale because mm. you need one resource going out to convince one client, and then he's getting a, a share of it. But if you would uh, like deploy this resource into creating great content, then that can be read by potentially millions of uh, potential clients, right? And not just mm-hmm. one. So this one sales guy, he doesn't really scale because he needs like cold call all of them but if you get them to yeah yeah, produce an article or some videos or i don't know what explaining uh, the concepts then um that can be read by many many people right yeah so do did any thoughts come to mind as to how to incentivize content creation because right there is a danger that when you pay somebody to create content or like let's say the incentivization scheme is financial yeah um sometimes you make the, the content becomes commoditized right and you don't also you also don't want that because then it goes on to into that realm of oh are you gonna pay me for how many words i write yeah oh, are you gonna You're pay me for how many 
Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. principal, you're very agent, right? Yeah. So, I said agent, not Asian. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Just oh, wanted to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you so, can say um... it. You know. <laughs> I could. <yeah. laughs> I'd be racist if I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, all right, let's shift gears again. Sorry. Uh, so how do we do that? I mean, it's so difficult because, you know, if you judge people then by likes or by comments or by, you know, views, is that good enough? Because maybe it's not the right comments. Maybe it's not the right views, but it's getting closer, right? Than paying them per word, correct? Or per article. Dollars, right? I mean, like, yeah. like, maybe if we put this onto like on a scale, let's say you just pay them dollars. You would say like, I'll, I'll pay you uh, 10 bucks per word. It's probably a lot, but I'll pay you uh, $1 per word. Um, mm. That's, that's, I guess the worst because then you're totally Asian agent. You just, <laughs> that was intentional. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, yeah you just write as many words as you can, but you don't care about the quality or anything else. So another mm -hmm. way of doing it, you, and that's probably like the, the second best thing, um, you could pay them maybe like in, in, uh, yeah, in just tokens. Mm -hmm. And which tokens though? Tokens of the entity that they're writing for? Yes, or... yeah. yeah, to make them okay. principles. So you would yep. give them a share of, of the entity they're writing for. So the, the flywheel they are working on, you'll give them a piece of that flywheel. And um, mm. so that's that would probably be better because they would over time become principals. And and like the more ownership they have, I guess the more the incentive of them personally would be aligned with the incentives of the flywheel, right? So that they would then, um, yeah, get more and more towards producing really great content that people would would read and and, and help the, the business as a whole, right? Correct, yeah. And you know what I like about that flow? There's, uh, just came to mind again while you were speaking. Um, the payout, while it's not as direct, right? You hold a token that could be worth more in the future, but in one way, it's very holistic in a sense, like when you're writing now, the, the only thing in your mind is, does this help build the brand? Because again, you're thinking like a principle right yeah. uh I'm, am i helping the community as as a whole become more educated become more knowledgeable that's also a very principled way of thinking yeah um and the the cool thing about it that, that i really like and maybe it's my personality uh but i think a lot of people in the web3 space think like that it's the more um abundance versus scarcity right on that scale they're thinking in terms of, okay, unlimited upside. When you do mm -hmm. a consulting gig, it's it's very direct. You get paid pretty direct, right? Per hour, but yeah. but if, if let's say not per hour, like because we, we want to get away from you know working time-based, but let's say even you get paid to create a piece of work, right? A piece of code, whatever, a light paper, right? That's it. You get paid and that's it, it's done. Yep. You know. That's it. It's never. It's never gonna come. And, and, and when you're retired, like it's compound, not gonna pay you. Yeah. yeah, it's not gonna pay you interest when you're when you're retired, right? Yeah. So while it's direct, it's linear. Whereas yeah. if you pay people in tokens when they create content, it's indirect but it's exponential. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think if we can somehow crack that code, then it's going to be a lot of people will, will think, hey, maybe they're not going to just only be content creators, but they'll go, hey, I'm going to spend 80% of my time doing building homes. But I'm going to do 20, spend 20% of my time sharing knowledge from the homes I've built because that sharing of knowledge helps everyone and it's not a zero-sum game. And uh, yeah, that thing gives me that, that, that call option on, on um, this industry taking off. And I want to build towards this industry taking off because I have a call option yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on that result, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that that'd be a, a quite a cool mechanism. And then you could probably even like, you know, improve the whole thing by doing stuff like um, you said earlier, right? You would measure what the actual impact of the piece of content is, right? And you would you would then set different levels of maybe you'll say like how many how many reads or how many interactions um, the the piece of content has gotten, and the higher the more you would get paid because mm. then you wouldn't like incentivizing for words is probably the worst thing you can do, and I guess like that's that's obvious. So like yeah, the first the first paragraph. Go off or read like I really, 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 really want yeah. to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, it, yeah. If you can optimize for, yeah, maybe like interactions or or things like that. I mean, there's probably also ways to game and trick the system here. But that, yeah, that that's maybe a, a worthwhile cause. And then I was thinking of, um, maybe what these tokens could then do is not only you wouldn't just pay them the tokens, but since since the idea was, what if the consultants would have to fork out a small piece or a small bit of their revenue so that we could pay it to the content creators? What if we didn't pay them directly, but indirectly, right? So they would get the tokens and then if they stake the tokens, they would then unlock this like monthly or annual pay now, I don't ah, know you what mean that if means the contributors for... stake the token, so say they get uh, they earn a hundred tokens and they stake, I don't know twenty. Then that twenty tokens, they keep, we we say that those tokens are being used for content creation purposes. Is that it? No, we would we would essentially if they stake twenty tokens, they would um, unlock something like an an annual yield that mm -hmm. could come from the consulting gigs, right? So let's say we get uh, 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 10,000 so, so, in like right. profits. We'll take 10% yeah. of that and we could mm -hmm. distribute this thousand then to um, everybody who's staking their tokens that they have earned through content creation. Mm. I mean, because mm -hmm. that, mm. it wouldn't only give you the call option, but it would also give you a dividend right? in a way, right? And, th and that's like even, I yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe like even better. Mm. I don't know how securities laws will find this. We'll have to figure that out. But it, it would be an interesting mechanism, right? Just to incentivize. Yeah. And 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 the proof will be in the pudding because you would you wouldn't have to mandate it. You would put that that suggestion out there, and you'll just see how many uh, token holders feel happy to do that, right? Yeah it would incentivize them to hold their tokens long-term because if you hold them and stake them, then you'll get paid. 
every mm-hmm. every year or every month mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. something like a, it would be pretty much like a dividend right mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the reason why you would hold them a share because mm-hmm. they not only because there's potential upside in like the the share price going up but also because you get paid mm-hmm. regularly right so yeah i think like that so, that could be a mechanism yeah there. so then i think the crux of it will be how do we this how do we assign value right like so so going deeper into the weeds of how will a content creator get paid tokens how, how do we assess how how good his content is, you know, if he's consistently creating a piece of content, is that worth more than somebody that's only creating a piece of content once every 10, uh, every, uh, every year, you know, if there's somebody creating something every week, you know, does two, those two articles that are, you know, being created consistently, are they, or 10, let's say, that are being created consistently worth more than 10 that are created, you know, randomly at very, very large time intervals, because then that doesn't build um, interest as effectively, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I guess we're not going to know the answers now, but as we go forward, I think the the magic will be in, in really being accurate in incentivizing good content, right? Yeah. I think that's a very, very difficult nut to crack. Because mm. maybe um, disincentivizing yeah. bad content is also something that we can think of, right? Just to prevent How people from. Have... So if say, you, you know, usually when somebody writes a post, mm-hmm. unless it's really bad, most people wouldn't comment, right? Like they, they, if it's good, it gets spread. If it's not that good, it just yeah. kind of stays there dormant, right? Yeah. But to prevent people from going, hey, I just want to earn these tokens, so I'm just going to create a 1,000 word article that actually says nothing at all. Yeah, you would see some content, uh, some comments coming out going like, dude, I just spent, I just wasted five minutes, ten minutes of my life that I'll never get back, right? Yeah. And maybe if that happens, then I don't know, that guy's tokens are, are gone or something like that, right? Or uh, uh, 10% of it gets deducted or whatever. Just to prevent people from writing really bad stuff. If your tweet gets ratioed, then you, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really just, you know, putting it out there as it comes to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's just to prevent people from trying to game the system to say, hey, I I want tokens. I can get a ghostwriter to write something. It's going to cost me 10 bucks on Fiverr. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because that's really not what we want to do, right? We really want to build authenticity. We really want to build a community of people that really care about this yeah. space. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's. I think that's going to be very, very difficult, and even harder um, will it be to scale it. You know, so that mm. it can be this automatic machine that runs on its own. I think that's going to yeah. be super hard. I mean, like, how do like big uh, journals or magazines or publishing houses do it, right? They probably have a lot of people. First, they have the contracts and they have all the hiring and stuff and they find out how good people are. And, yeah. um, but then they have like editors that do the proofreading and uh, do the final publishing or press that publishing button, right? So they, it has to go through this like, quality control towards the end 
finding out. Mm-hmm. And and that guy will will to some degree know what type of articles work well and which don't. Mm-hmm. And so he'll he'll like quality control for that outcome. So yeah, I guess we could do that in a DAO, right? Yeah. yeah, we could do that in we a could, DAO. Yeah. Get people to vote. You know, the people stake their own reputation when they say this guy's proof of previous work is good enough. Yeah. So somebody in the DAO might say, hey. Jason Nada, I've read three of his previous posts. He's pretty, he's all right. I, I would say yes, go. You yeah. know, and we could systematically say, as long as nobody says no, right? Like we need X number of votes. Like we yeah. need, I don't know, eight votes from the community. Yeah. If one person says no, then it needs to get reviewed, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Mm. So a lot of yeah, tinkering yeah. will be needed. That's true. Yeah. And we'll have to, you know, you have to balance like when it, when it is too much mm. of like yeah you know like controlling and overseeing how when you spend too many resources on like like improving that part of the process but yeah, yeah. i think there's only so much you can i guess um incentivize or optimize with with tokens there's always this this other aspect i guess where like just human nature comes in here and there or trying to game systems and and uh yeah that so, but the beautiful thing about this, right, Flo, is if we iterate and we get it to improve, the system to keep improving, we would be then unlocking a formula that other people could then also, you know, copy and paste and maybe um, imitate and, and, and uh, adjust a little bit according to their needs. But yeah, it yeah. will not be valueless, right? This iteration process, it will also be very valuable because we will also start to understand how, in a way, right, we're cracking this, this code. I keep saying cracking the code, but we will be, we'll be discovering how people can work autonomously, internationally, right? Yeah. To come yeah. up with something that pushes the flywheel, you know? Yeah. And uh, this yeah, should yeah. be something that can be shared with many different, you know, endeavors, right? Not just tokenomics yeah yeah but like i th- I think the tokenomics for that and the incentives that you that you sort of create for that they are key to making something like that work true and, yes yeah and i guess you you see that with lots of other DAOs and, and communities out there on how they do stuff and how they are successful by designing their own um tokens in in the specific way that aligns with their goals and values and what they want to achieve right um so yeah there's there's a lot of these like super interesting mechanisms so um i guess one of them and that's kind of also what i sort of was thinking through and and on a recent um podcast um with javier from valorize we we talked about this model of a super high inflationary um token like let's say we would pay our content creators tokens and i mean it wouldn't be like super high inflationary but we would there's there's like two ways you could do it either you like cap the total supply of tokens and that also caps the total supply of content that you can create or you have an unlimited supply of tokens because you of course want to keep producing content over the years right so if and in that way it is inflationary that way it is inflationary right. yeah yeah and yeah. what that does is if if we think about this let, let's say the token allows you to vote 
and it also gives you dividends of the revenues created. Now, let's say you and I, we create 10 articles now, and then we'll stop creating articles because we got interested in something else. Then over time, our total share would get diluted, right? Mm -hmm. Because other people create and they get more tokens and then inflation kind of dilutes our holdings and our, our um, share of voting power and our share of uh, dividends. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting model, I think, to keep people working and publishing content, producing content regularly. But what that does not do is it does not really incentivize early contributors to sort of participate in this upside. So this upside that you were talking about is something yeah. they wouldn't then really participate in because the, the, the token is just so inflationary. So it might, yeah, they might not be growing that much, even if yeah. the flywheel grows, right? Yeah. Well, I would say both the inflationary and deflationary um, path can both be helpful to an extent, right? Like, in a way, it's the same thing. Like the inflationary one, you want to keep working at it because then you get more tokens, which then give you more value, right? Like more payout, more whatever, more incentive, financial incentive. But then the deflationary one, you you might only need to start paying people less and less as time goes on because that token's worth more and more, right? So, so one's like the gold standard where the amount of gold available is the same, right? But uh, a pound of butter used to cost five grams of gold. Now it only costs one gram because we know how to do it so much more efficiently, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the inflationary one would be Hey, you better keep working. Don't 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 just retire once you've got your, you know, bag of gold coins because we keep mining more gold every year. So your bag of gold coins aren't going to be worth much, right? So that yeah. one incentivizes work. Inflationary, let's say tokens or treasuries incentivize. Oh, let's say your what you just mentioned that that, yeah. that form of that inflationary. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. model. They would incentivize consistent work right? Never rest, keep working. Yeah. But long run, I'm not sure what that does, right? Like if somebody goes, Hey, I've been working, if I continue doing this for 20, 30 years, and I build up this whole, you know, bunch of tokens, but I know that now the the pool of contributors is so massive that the moment I stop, it's going to be worthless because that thing's doubling every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating to just make a no, point, yeah. right? But it could, it could cause this kind of effect, right? Because everybody knows, mm. hey, the more content is created, the more tokens are created. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess if you want really value to accrue and there's some people to trust that um, this thing has some value, maybe the dividend can can do a, a piece of that. But if, if that share dilutes too fast, then um, yeah, it won't be an interesting, an interesting, an interesting model. So what I thought about was um, what if we did it like, like Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin Mm -hmm. every, every four years, they have this halving. And so every block that is mined is, is only paying out half the the Bitcoin Mm -hmm. as before. 
So maybe mm-hmm. we could do a similar model where we'd in the beginning, we'd pay out 10 tokens per piece of content. Mm-hmm. And then after half a year or a year, we'd reduce that, we'd have that. And mm-hmm. and that you would keep having it, right? So that would that would mean in the beginning, you would sort of incentivize people to get in early and, and produce content to get the flywheel going. But then once mm-hmm. the flywheel is going, um, you would hope on the flywheel itself, um, you know, and, and other payment effects that we maybe then have to, to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of stop this inflationary effect mm-hmm. or like reduce it, right? The only issue though with that is yeah. um, the, the first issue that I think uh, that comes up comes to mind is uh, if our token or the token falls in value, you might it, it might it might serve no incentive, right? If the value is too low, because say say right now it's worth let's say forty bucks an hour, forty US dollars in twenty twenty two an hour, right? Um, and that's worth I don't know five Big Mac Big Macs, right? And then we have it, but the token value actually drops, right? So then maybe let's say the token value drops fifty percent, and we have the number of tokens we give out. Then mm. now it's only paying what's that like uh, one Big Mac, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and that might then that might then go hey uh well, I'm definitely not doing it for the tokens because, you know, I'm, I'm doing it because I like to do it, but it's not for the tokens because it's not worth anything. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe if we could also do another model where we say it's always tied to a certain real life value, right? Um, and if the, the token itself is growing in value because tokenomics DAO, for example, is becoming a bigger company, it's churning more revenue, it's creating more dividends, let's say, mm-hmm. then that token's value will go up. And then you could then do a halving, let's say, but a more organic halving where it's always worth the person's time on that day, right? But if things keep going better, then whatever they've earned should keep growing in value. But at that same time, it still incentivizes them on at, at that period in time. Yeah. I mean, like, how would you control that? Uh, you could say you create, you could, you could use one point of reference, right? A harder currency, let's say, and just issue out. Or like the revenue of the DAO. And then you would. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because revenue the, of the DAO, I like that. I like that. Because then it's real, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Because what you want to keep in balance is like, does the amount of content that we produce um, balance with the amount of revenue that we make? So producing more content should lead to more revenue. And if that is the case, we can produce more content and issue more tokens for that and like be as inflationary as we want to if that Mm -hmm. leads to more um, revenue. Yeah. then that the dividend would in in fact like would stay the same right even if it's diluted because the the total revenue goes up but if it's not the case then we should definitely stop issuing um the same amount of tokens 
I think there's a there's yeah. a protocol. I f- I forgot which one. Um, it is, but um, yeah, I'll I'll look it up and link it. But they they do this similar model. They have their their emission schedule. I think tied to um, some internal metric that they have, right? I think it's the the transaction volume or something. Um, and so if that goes up, they'll issue more tokens or they'll emit more tokens from the ones they yeah. have, right? Because they can, they kind of, they can grow the token supply into the value of their product. And that's, I think it's something that's like super important, right? So if your product is more valuable, then you can also put out more tokens because mm. they will absorb it. The value will absorb it. But if you just put out more tokens and you don't, you're not growing value, that would punish the, the current holders, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah, I, don't, I think so. It would. So it's like this paladin thing, you know, this, um, this corporate, corporate action thing, right? Yeah. So the paladin, the, the, this, this mining company, they issue shares now to raise capital. Mm-hmm. And by uh, issuing shares, if I'm a shareholder, like the, the value of mine would, would like go down because there's more supply of shares out there, right? Yes. For the amount of company that I get for that. Yeah. So they're kind of punishing me as a current uh, shareholder, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing, yeah. Yeah. No, but going back, yeah, I agree. And I think the way around it is really if you if you tie it to a product, like you know, you hear people saying debt in itself is not bad, right? If you can borrow money to do something productive, is actually good, you know. So say on a very large macro level, if you have a country that's totally undeveloped, you borrow money from some more developed country, you take that money, you build schools, you build infrastructure, whatever, and then arguably you give that community now a better chance at being more productive to lead like better, higher standards of living, right? And they then can create more value for the global community as a whole. So in that case, debt is good. Yeah. If you were taking that debt and you were using it to buy jet skis right to go around skiing around a lake non-stop then that might not be the best way to use that debt right because then that, that way it's it's inflationary in a sense that you're creating more pieces of let's say tokens right but it's yeah. not going into anything useful so if you say to a content creator you will pay them in tokens and that token gives them an income based on what that entity is producing every day or year or month, I think it's, yeah, it's actually pretty freaking cool, right? Because you're directly, you're you're merging that directness that we were talking about earlier, right? Direct, you know, how direct a line you have to income with the possibility of getting your income to grow exponentially, right? Yeah, yeah. It'd be tantamount to you going to work for a company and you don't get a salary. The, the company would say, hey, on average last year, we paid this much in dividends every two weeks, right? Yeah. And based on that, we're giving you this number of shares 
um, and and you know if you do well and that dividend increases you actually get paid more than your what you're getting paid now yeah. you know and you have the upside that the shares that you get might also significantly increase in value because um, the company develops something really cool and therefore yeah. like has a much higher growth and revenue and therefore uh, uh, and a much higher evaluation. Yeah. yeah. And if that revenue keeps growing, then you need to give out less tokens to the next guy because that revenue now is so big that he doesn't need that many tokens anymore. So in that way, you, you organically get that halving effect, right? Yeah, yeah. So why doesn't anybody in the corporate world do it? I think because they don't want to, first of all, it, I don't know if it fits with the regulatory framework in for fiat monetary systems, right? And secondly, do you really want a whole population to be principals and not agents? Like, like from, if you're like the, the dudes at the top, do you really want everyone to be acting independently out of their own self-interest yeah, and having yeah. like total sovereignty, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to be too cynical about it, but I, yeah. I don't know. You might not. Yeah. But, but still like nobody has, nobody's done it. Nobody I guess won, right? to, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, if they give our shares to, to, to employees, is that something similar? I guess the higher up you go in, in the hierarchy of a uh, corporate. Yeah. You, your pay gets more and more based on share performance, right? Versus yes. yeah. salary. So yeah. I guess they do do it, but it's for a small amount of the elite, right? Yeah, high ranks, yeah. Because, yeah, they would want their incentives aligned with the incentives yeah. of, the, of the company more, yeah. right? But on the lower I levels, they don't. But I don't know why. It's, I'm too cynical, man, sorry. But I just... <laughs> It's, it's, it's similar to like the aristocracies in the past, right? Like, hey, get the farmers to go to war. If they win, they keep getting fed. You tell them you'll lower their taxes. But if the, the aristocrats win, they get more land, right? It's the, the classic thing of one getting paid in terms of consumption and one getting paid in terms of assets. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have that conversation about the regulatory aspects. But um, yeah, I think this is this is still something like super interesting. What's happening and what's evol what's evolving? I I don't know if you had the chance to listen to this one uh, podcast. I listened to it yesterday or so. It was about um, like DAOs and the future of work. And um, yeah, it was really a cool overview of how they've kind of like set this up and, and built this up and um, what it what it could mean in the future if more and more people become uh, like principals and owners in, in something, right? Mm. Yeah. Definitely should I'll link it. I just need to close the window because the neighbor's boys are uh, running around. They're just super excited about DAOs. Yeah, I think so. Because I said it, I said the word. So they immediately, yeah. Maybe we can maybe we can bring someone, um, 
someone from the corporate world, right, to come in and share, like, why is it that this isn't done? Yeah. If we, That'll I mean, we, we don't, we don't have anyone in mind right now, I guess, but if we do, uh, maybe bring them on and, and just discuss the concept with them, see what they think. Yeah. Ask them if it's something that they would bring into their own company, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because like the, it can't be just that you have a blockchain now that that this is now the coolest thing ever to create a DAO and, and make make people owners, right? Somebody must have thought about this before us. We're not the first ones doing this, right? It's just, <laughs> can't be. No, yeah, it can't be. It's... In a way, okay, wait, what does a co-op mean? You know, when you have something, like in Germany, they often have these things where they say this thing is like totally employee owned. It's not for profit. Everything goes back towards everyone that works in that co-op. Mm -hmm. Am I using the right term? Is it co-op? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Like uh, you can have, you can go and say, hey, this the, everyone that works for this supermarket chain or whatever you know you get paid your salary but at the end of the at the end of the year they don't really take a profit i think they give all that profits back to the employees they split it and so at the end of the year you're, you're basically not a profit for profit organization mm -hmm. so it's employee owned yeah so oh, in okay. some sense yeah. it's it's pretty similar right like i guess they would give out then it, it depends on how they would give out that, that, that profit share. Do they give it out as a percentage prorated to your salary? Do they give it out and say, hey, every single person is equal. So if there's a thousand dollars made and a hundred people, then everyone gets 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That still would include the ownership, like this long-term upside. No, no. Yeah, it does not. For that, you would need something like shares. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, maybe, maybe we, can, we can research that for the next one or bring somebody on who knows. I'll, I'll, def mm. I'll definitely be interested in like, like exploring the history of this, right? Because, mm. yeah, I think that's something maybe we can do in another podcast. I mean, maybe we probably need to do some research to bring somebody on for this. But like the history, like who, who has tried similar things and how is what DAOs and, and like what you can do with tokens, how is that now different? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely the makes history. it easier, the infrastructure, right? You don't have to, and, and that is maybe because it's all like just still gray zones out there. Um, but like just the simplicity, you can spin up a DAO uh, pretty easily and issue a token and it costs you next to nothing. Whereas if you'd... Um, go through like an SEC process to register a security that costs you a ton of money and uh, will take a lot of time to do, right? Mm. To replicate something similar with like ownership and mm -hmm. um, dividends and, and all that kind of stuff. But here you can just spin it up and, and we see all these different DAOs that are doing it and, and building stuff um, based upon this model. So maybe, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the yeah. biggest benefits I see, yeah. So the history of um, starting the history of like profit sharing and ownership and incentivization, right? For, for human beings to work together in groups, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what tokenomics 
in a way is, is but like yeah. applied to web three specifically but yeah. what would be like the history of tokenomics pre-blockchain what would that be mm. man maybe i'll have to finally read Karl marx <laughs> i don't know do it <laughs> You'll see me next coming on here next time, like with like super black eye bags and big beard and going. Because from the little that I have, I mean, from whenever I hear about people um, referencing communist manifestos, right? It's usually, to be fair to them, they often get the problem, describe the problem pretty well, I think, right? They describe that, hey, uh, a small group of elites control the means of production, right? Yeah. And to a certain it is true, right? And and that and and it's just that they're probably their um, methodology of then sharing that that means of like the profits, the surplus from that means of production mm-hmm. is 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 gets corrupted, right? Like um, whether it's because they don't get how human nature works or the incentives are not aligned enough or there's, you know, people steal, like, like backdooring things, stealing things, you know, short-circuiting things. So it's definitely not a new concept, right, to talk about how we can share uh, profits in a more equitable way. Um, and yeah, but like I think a lot of ownership, right? I think it's not only about yeah. sharing profits. Well, the, well, the communists would say they they're very good at sharing ownership because everyone owns everything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so they would say, hey, why don't you work harder? I mean, this you you own this state. You own a right? piece of the state. Yeah. 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 I was listening to this release this this podcast. I think I shared it with you guys, right? With that guy talking about how the Russian economy was post the ussr collapse oh yeah 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 and like how they were just giving out coupons to everyone saying that hey you now own a piece of the state and yeah. and these pre-oligarch dudes went there and just borrowed foreign money and then just bought everything up for pennies yeah. right all these assets and yeah. yeah so so you know somebody might say hey who says we did give ownership away people were you know yeah, yeah but it, it didn't work right and and it's it's obvious that it wouldn't work but it just means that there's a lot of nuance in in terms of how ownership gets shared it's not only about sharing ownership it's how it's shared and maybe it's about like the liquidity of what you can do with your ownership i guess like specifically in the ussr the problem was that the people that were given this ownership they now had an ownership in some Russian steel mill, but they were yeah. hungry, right? So what yeah. are you going to do? You can't eat the ownership ticket and you can't, yeah. you maybe couldn't dice it up and, and buy some bread for it or something like that. But if yeah. you were given like tokens, then you could, you could use these to sell off a small chunk to pay your rent right. and keep yeah. the rest. Yeah. So with no liquidity, the, the underlying assets had no value and yeah. Or it had no price. Yeah. Had no price. Yes. It had a value. Yeah. It had no price. Yeah, and therefore yeah. couldn't be transacted properly. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. We we definitely should delve into that. Like, uh, and and maybe yeah, with tokenomics, with Web three, you know, finally the technology is there, so that um, protocols can be put in place that's trustless.
Yeah. Right. That you don't need to make sure that only like, how are you going to make sure that every single human being in a system has a hundred percent integrity? You don't. Right. And then the more you can't, and then there's that prisoner's dilemma where that first guy who cheats, he gets to, he gets to to get away with. Yeah. And then the next guy goes, Hey, if I don't cheat, I'm the stupid one. I have to cheat. Right. Yeah. And then by that time, the whole system becomes so inefficient that if you come into the system, you have to cheat to just to survive because the the normal payout is not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Incentives misaligned. In a trusted system. So maybe trustless systems will help to close that loop. You know, you can get that super duper architect at the top to think about things. You can build the system. You can then see if the talent comes in, right? So the second thing about communism is that the, the, the energy that came into the system, that gravity that you need for any system to work was not carrots. It was sticks, right? Yeah, if you yeah. didn't work, you didn't get paid, you'd freeze to death, Yeah. right? But with Web3, you're able to build a system and then say, hey, does anyone want to come? You know, it's a and, carrot system. Yeah, it's carrots. Right. Yeah. I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah. So how, how should we title title this episode? The fly I was just thinking about the that. Carrot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fly. <laughs> Good episode. to great carrots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. I think we should leave that Very, to Elvis. He can. Yeah. Uh, this will come out with something good. Yeah. He loves carrots. Yeah. So that there you go. Cool man. Um. I think that was interesting exploring this Mm. and uh, yeah, maybe we can do that in another episode. Talk a bit about like the history, things like that. Yeah. Hey Flo, just before you go, would you, just a question, would you say that coming away from conversations like these, you're, you're maybe in some really, really small way you are, you've you've come away a bit different like you've learned something or you've gotten some different perspectives or you've organized your thoughts in a different way would you say that that would be the case always always right like i feel that too and it's something that's not very appreciated right when people make authentic content like it's it's hard to advertise that like how do you tell content we we talked about it earlier how do we incentivize content creation right but I think it's if we can somehow communicate that to people to say, hey, when you do create an authentic piece of content where you're really in an exploratory mood, right? You actually come away from it different. You come away from it better, I think, you know? Like the. Even if you. I just want to say, even if you haven't learned anything new, whatever you you have in in your mind, right? you actually get a little bit more context or it goes a bit deeper because you've tested it a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, t- I totally agree. There's this guy on um, Twitter. I forgot the name. I'll, I'll, I'll look him up and put him in the show notes. He does this like, like diagrams or like charts or animations. And he basically talks about writing and what that does to your mind. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was like so cool. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe I can, I can like link one of these, but, it's it's basically this like one of them is where he has like this you you think and then it's like this this like wild unstructured thing that you got there right and then yeah if you kind of 
write that into a draft, it gets a little bit better. But Mm -hmm. then if you write that into an article that you publish and you want people to read, that Mm -hmm. then like sorts everything and like puts these puzzle pieces into place because the process of writing like makes you challenge your own um, thoughts that you had. And I think this here, this conversation on a, on a podcast might not be on the same level because it is like ad hoc, right? There's, there's like something. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I I really like this for like the idea generation. So like Mm -hmm. we talk about something and then sometimes, sometimes like sometimes like mid sentence when I'm talking, I get like this boom, something unlocks that I, that I hadn't thought about before. And it kind of comes to, to mind. And that's then when you said like, I walk away from these conversations, I'm like, yeah, that's actually a pretty cool way to do it. Or this yeah. is like a completely new idea that I had or that we've uncovered yeah. together. And, yeah. and if, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you go down that chain even further, right, you, you stop just now at writing an article that you're putting out in public, right? But if you take even one more step, right? Like now you're, you're supposed to teach what you just wrote, like get yeah. somebody to understand it, right? Then yeah. you're taking even a deeper step, right? Because now you're starting to think, how do I make this relevant to somebody that it's not relevant for yet, you know? Yeah. And then you yeah. start to think about things from their perspective, right? Yeah. And if we can get this thing right, consulting some in some aspects, it's also an educational activity, right? In some ways, you're, you're in, not in total, but in some yeah. ways, you're, you're taking an idea and knowledge and understanding and imparting it to, to someone else, right? Yeah. And so if we can just connect that loop to go discovery, exploration, all the way down to educating, and then re, you know, come, back, come back to the top again and go, hey, now that you've, you've, you've reached a deeper level, now let's have a conversation again, right? And let's go creative again. Then in that way, we would be connecting those two, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The yeah. home builders and the home designers, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's- So I'm very excited about that. And that, and that's like a complete incentive on its own, right? It's this, you come and join a DAO, work on a topic that you're interested in just to become, to get better, like to learn more, mm. Uh, mm. to like, you know, exchange your thoughts with somebody else in, in order to, yeah, to make your thought process or your knowledge better. Deep yeah. yeah i wonder if we could we could coin a phrase something like we're we're, we're a bunch of apprenticing experts right like yeah. the journey the journey is still going you know like you might be an expert in your field but it doesn't mean that you can't go deeper right it doesn't mean you can't go broader yeah, yeah. and uh if you keep having that attitude that you can always still learn more whether from other people or by yourself going deeper that's i think yeah. also something pretty cool when yeah. you say, you know, hey, come to the DAO to learn more. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're a student. You know, you could be the world's best at something, but you're still, you're still on that learning journey, right? Yeah, yeah. And th- that to me is like the biggest value of the DAO, of the community that we're creating is like you, you bring together people that, and that's something that uh, I said this a few times, that's something that didn't exist before in, in that way, right? We, we never had the same 600 people in the same Discord um assembled before that didn't exist 
And now you have them and you have access to different minds, different thoughts. Um, and, and, and you can, yeah, you can do all this like exploration, deepen your knowledge, exchange ideas and, and stuff like that. So that's, for me, that's like super valuable. Like every day I talk to uh, people with like really interesting ideas and that just, yeah, deepens my knowledge, my understanding and theirs too, I guess. So yeah, that's a value add. That's a, for me, that's a, like one of the biggest incentives. Yeah. So should we try and close the episode again? I won't, I won't disrupt you this time. Yeah, you do it now. <laughs> and uh, since Lovis isn't here, should, should we try and do a plug? Like I'm not good at this. So guys, yeah. if you want to like uh, join us on this crazy learning journey, tokenomics DAO, right? Flow. Yeah. Join us on our Discord. Um, we've got a cohort that's currently ongoing to become contributor to join write articles uh do consulting and just yeah work and explore this whole space together with us um we'll link the stuff in the show notes and we'd yeah like to see you on discord if you if you're keen yeah and come on and give us feedback about what we're doing we'd love to hear that too oh it's good cool all right